Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. What is up, Rangers and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for being here for a new episode at Rangers Review. This is episode 30 here on the YouTube channel or just episode 30 in general, wherever you're getting your podcast right now, chiming in, whether it's during the live stream as we're going live right now or on replay. We appreciate everybody, and I appreciate everyone's wait, too, for the live stream specifically here on September 1st. We were supposed to do it at 4 p.m. Then, if you guys don't know, I'm most known for covering the New York Mets. That's my main thing, and... Uh, scandal happened with the New York Mets today regarding a DUI with our acting GM. So that had to be attended to. I had to discuss that. So we had to push things back a little bit. And here we are now. But I want to thank everyone that's first chiming in. We really appreciate you all. We will, of course, be discussing today the passing of Mr. Ranger, Roger Bear, that happened over the past week because uh, we haven't done the episode since it happened. We will then also be t- doing a prospect update in which Steve's going to fill us in on everything there is to know there. We're going to be taking a look at training camp, knowing that's right around the corner now for the New York Rangers, and also looking at the new hire for the New York Rangers when it comes to doing assistant coach, in which Gerard Gallant seems to be quite satisfied about, and so much more. And we'll also be taking questions probably towards the end of the show for the final five to ten minutes if you're here in the live stream. But again, thank you all for being here. And Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Um, you know, it's it's been a, a quiet couple of days after, of course, the the sad news of Rod Gilbert passing away. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to hockey getting underway, and we're almost there. So, yeah, yeah. I um, I look. It, it's really unfortunate, but we need to discuss it. And I think it's one of those things where you know, um, we can take a lot of positives out of this and Roger Bear and just reminiscing on his career some more and just why, why exactly was he Mr. New York Ranger? And like, what were my personal um, feedback that I had, unfortunately about the news, which of course was heartbreaking happened just over a week ago. Now, uh, Roger Bear passed away at the age of 80. He lived a long, happy and healthy life. He spent 18 years in the NHL, all of them with the New York Rangers. He doesn't get any more New York Ranger. You, No one else can get any more New York Ranger than Roger Bear. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to meet him slightly uh, at the New York Rangers home opener a couple years ago when he went on the blue carpet along with a bunch of, a bunch of other uh, Ranger alumni. Uh, seemed like a great guy. And I just want to ask what your initial thoughts was when Rod passed and what will you remember him most outside of him obviously being one could definitely argue the best ranger that's ever lived. Yeah, unfortunately, I never had the pleasure of meeting Rod Gilbert. Like living in Europe, I only go to like two, three games a year. So um, it doesn't happen often that I meet Rangers alumni. Um, but my fiance has met him a few times and I've seen a lot of photos um, of people posing with him. And he was always smiling. He always looked like he was genuinely enjoy- enjoying life. Yes, infectious. An infectious smile is probably the best way to describe it. Um, First player to have his number retired at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I think it was 1979 or 1986. No, I think it was Hall of Fame 1979 and number retired in 86, something like that. He he hit Hall of Fame, I think, in 1982, I think. Okay. It was – he – he was uh, he was the first ranger to get his number raised to the rafters, and that's a huge honor. Um, still leads the the Rangers in goals all time, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, just I almost- actually have them all listed. If we want to go yeah. down, like if you want to talk about Roger Bear's accolades, let's start with the fact of again, eighteen year career all with the New York Rangers and 1,065 games played. Yeah, so 406 goals and 615 assists. That's just remarkable numbers, a little shy of point per game during his tenure with the New York Rangers and his entire career. And if you look, he leads the Rangers currently in goals scored uh, with 406, as I mentioned. Then in points with 1,021 goals created, three. 
188.8. Uh, if you go down a little bit further, even strength goals, he has 298. Uh, one more statistic for you is that he uh, leads the Rangers with game-winning goals with 52 in his career. So, again, just give you some insight about what Roger Bear did during his tenure with the New York Rangers. And no one – like, he is the face of the franchise in so many different ways. And, again, I unfortunately did not have the privilege of being able to obviously watch the man live. I know that most people here in the live stream – or listening on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, haven't really witnessed him play either. I'd, I'd imagine a select few of you have for the most part, depending on how how um, old you are. But still, just an infectious personality, an amazing player, and ha- really showed the embodiment of what it meant to be a New York Ranger. Um, and I think a lot of players since his time have really tried their best to replicate that. If you look at, you know, not just necessarily with the point production, but just really grasping what it means to be a ranger if you look in recent years there's a couple guys that come off my mind right away you think of mark messier right away Messier didn't have a long tenure with the new york rangers but he really showed what it meant to be the captain of the rangers and to lead that team in uh in every which way possible henry's one you could definitely argue it as well i've always felt that way about hank he's been the face of the rangers during my lifetime at least and there's so many other players i haven't even mentioned that you could definitely make arguments for as well so yeah, yeah. unbelievably unfortunate to see him pass but i'm i'm happy that he got to live along happy and healthy life. It wasn't like, unfortunately, and again, this is a side note on a tragic passing that just happened. So Kevin Hayes, brother, Jimmy Hayes, who is also a strong NHLer, an absolutely fun and charismatic man from everything that I've seen and, you know, interacting in podcasts and seeing all different types of things, you know, uh, being a Boston native and just seeming like an absolutely great guy. And so to see him pass tragically, uh, I believe the day after Raw did over this past week, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I think the following day or two days later, it was, it was pretty sudden and, and they were, they were, yeah, it was, it and that, was, and that was hard. And that was even, that was just as heartbreaking, especially to have it so soon. You know, he is, he has a mm-hmm. wife that he's leaving. I, I'm not sure exactly if he has kids. I think he does. I could be wrong, however. Um, but you know, Kevin and his family and all of his family and friends, they're all still mourning at this point. So, Again, I don't know what the cause of passing was there uh, since uh, what was initially reported that it doesn't seem like it was anything suspicious. Yeah. You think that was and, something and like that? If, but. If, if, I can, if I can chime in here for a second, um, I think as hockey fans, we really need to stop with asking ourselves how, what, what was the reason, you know, how did he pass away? It's – I, I understand. Oh yeah, I'm not asking. I'm, yeah, I'm just I understand that I don't know what the past is. I'm not talking about you uh, per se. I'm just I'm just saying uh, when Kivleniak, the the Blue Jackets goalie, uh, passed away earlier this yeah. year. Instead of mourning the loss of an NHL player, everyone was like, "Oh, I want to know what happened." I want to. I, I know, understand curiosity, but but you know, let's just. Just be patient, you know. It, yeah. well, the news will probably come out in a couple of weeks, and we'll hear what actually happened. But every time someone passes away, the first thing I read online is, "Oh, I wonder what happened. I wonder if it was a drug overdose." I, I know it's everyone drawing assumptions, and it's the worst no, thing. It's, you it, know? It, it, it really annoys me. So no, um, I I agree, I agree with you, and I I didn't mean it with that intent. I'm just yeah. saying that uh, I I just I, I don't know, and that's fine. It just it, yeah. it's just unbelievable. What, what, what we know is that is that he died. He passed away in his sleep. The yeah. day after his kid's birthday, uh, it's brutal. Rock. I mean, just absolutely. Yeah, brutal. I mean, uh, imagine what what it's like for the kid. You know, you celebrate your birthday, and the next morning, your 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 father is dead. It's uh, terrible. It, it is terrible. Um, so, yeah, we had a couple. We had some dark and gloomy days over this yeah. past week in, in and, hockey world, not just for the Rangers. Like Roger Bear was eighty years old. Eighty years old is a respectable age. Yeah, it's still sad that he passed away, but he lived a long and happy life. Jimmy Hayes was what 30, 31? Yeah, it was nothing short of a tragedy. It, yeah, you know, yeah. no one expected this. So again, so again, my condolences to uh Jimmy Hayes's family, Kevin, of course, the former New York Ranger, uh, Roger Bear and his family as well. Um, um, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with them during this tough time. But overall, uh hockey world lost some awesome either, you know. Current players, former players, uh, not just over the past week, but over the past couple of years, we all know the story with them. But to get out of the negativity, again, I think it's important for us to really talk a little bit more about Rod because what he meant to be a New York Ranger, it just to go 18 years, let alone with the same team. You know how rare that is, especially yeah. in today's NHL. I know it was different back then for him because there wasn't nearly as many options team-wise, but 18 seasons with the same club. 
That's just right. remarkable. I I can't I really can't think of many other stories where you had the same player that stayed with the same organization for upwards of 20 years. It's just yeah. it's unheard of, especially in today's NHL. I think the only current player that comes close is probably Patrice Bergeron. But how long has Bergeron been with uh, Boston now? 2003, 18 years. Okay, but when it when was his first when uh when did he make his debut? Uh, I, th- I think it was 2003, the year of his draft. Did, I think did, he, he, make, was... did he make his debut in his rookie year? I think so. Let me let me check. My that goodness. I, and I've always mm-hmm. been a huge Patrice Bergeron fan. He's one oh, of those. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like he's still underrated somehow, which is absurd. You know, he's one of the best two-way players out there. Face-off machine and has been a stronghold for Boston during their cup runs over the past mm-hmm. decade. Yeah, 2003. Um, so he's been with the Boston Bruins for 18 years. Wow, that's crazy. That's he's been he's been an alternate captain since 2006. That's crazy. Captain since last year. So, wow. Bergeron, is 37 is going to go up to the rafters in Boston. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah, um, no, no question about it. Roger Bear, number one Ranger. If if Ranger fans have to put together that Mount Rushmore of Ranger players, he's always up there. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm I was born in 1984. I never watched a Rangers player with number seven because it was retired at the time already. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um sad day for Ranger fans. Um, I'm curious to see what the Rangers are gonna do this season. Uh I remember when Harry Howell passed away. Uh they had a little decal on the back of the helmet. Um, I would really appreciate it if the Rangers could do something more lasting for Rod Gilbert, maybe a patch for the season. Like- I think a patch would make so much. You know what it reminds me of a lot, honestly, it reminds me of the passing, unfortunately, of Tom Seaver. Uh, you know, the the franchise, he was the best uh, pitcher in Mets history. If you guys mm-hmm. are baseball fans and you probably know, um, he unfortunately passed um, just over this past year. So the Mets have been wearing his number um, patch all year long on the jersey, which I think is perfect, you know, paying homage to him. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think something along those lines would be, make plenty of sense. And, and those type of tributes should be reserved for a handful, like two or three players tops. And Raul Gilbert is definitely one of those. Yeah, no, uh, undoubtedly again. So, uh, to reiterate for anyone that's just chiming the live stream now, or if you're listening on replay, then you heard this already, but again, Roger Bear passing at the age of 88, uh, passing at the age of 80 pardon me my condolences are with him and his family same thing with jimmy hayes kevin hayes's brother um, a very strong player in the league as well uh most notably during his time with the boston bruins given the fact that you know he grew up you know diehard boston bruins fan boston area everything it was it was picture perfect um him being able to play with boston the way he did so uh, i know that he also was with the florida panthers i believe the devils uh, maybe some other clubs that i'm missing but no less again condolences to all their families but um, unless you have any further comments you'd like to make here on Gilbert, I think we can transition now into uh, our next segment. Would you like to do so? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. And again, guys, if you're here in the live stream, thank you so much for being here. See Dave Kaplitz, my good friend. Hope you're doing well. And everyone else in the chat, thank you all so much. Make sure you smash that like and subscribe button if you're just chiming in. We appreciate you all in this new episode of Rangers Review, episode 30. Myself, alongside Staff Boy Steven. Uh, let's get into the coaching hire because I think this is important as well because the Rangers, uh, since we we last recorded, they have made a new hire. And it's an interesting one as well. Definitely named that not many of you guys are aware of. Um, but no less, this looks like it very well could be beneficial for the Rangers in the end. And now that they have their assistant coaching staff, kind of really, you could say, rounded up now with bringing in um, Jim Midgley. Uh, is it Midgley, Migley? I think it's Midgley from how probably, uh, probably Midgley, yeah. Midgley. Uh, but no less, it's going to be very interesting to see what he does to bring with the Rangers. Um, and he has a good connection with uh, Gerard Gallant. So, Stephen, what was your initial reaction to this hire? Did you have any actual um, knowledge of the man until you did your due diligence and research? And uh, what are some things that you're potentially looking at to see with how he's going to connect with Gerard Gallant in his first year as head coach for the Rangers? Yeah. Yeah, it's not really a guy that I um, that was really on my mind. It's not, you know, if I had to name 10 candidates to be the assistant coach, it wouldn't be one of the 10. That said, it's not doesn't mean he's a bad candidate. Um, 
He worked with Gerard Galland on Team Canada at the World uh, World Championships this year, where they won yep. the gold medal. Um, and I think he's he's been mostly an assistant coach in juniors. Uh, Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, so he worked with Nathan McKinnon. Um, I think he also worked. I think he was still there when Nico Hischier was uh, was playing for them. So he has some experience with first overall picks. So that that definitely comes in handy. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's it, it's it's a signing that makes sense. It's an addition to the coaching staff that that fits. Um, I'm glad the Rangers gave Gerard Galland uh, the freedom to put together his own team of coaches. And if you look at the others, um, uh, Mike Kelly, who's one of who was the second assistant coach that they hired, um, he worked. In, sorry, yeah, sorry. So so Mike Kelly worked with Gerard Galland in Florida and in Vegas. Uh, Gord Murphy worked with him in uh, uh, in Columbus in the early 2000s. Um, and, of course, uh, Gord Murphy was with the Hartford Wolfpack wearing, working with Chris Knobloch the last two years. So he was already in the organization, but there's still a connection with Gerard Gallant, which I like. Um, the last couple of years, the Rangers have tried to uh, – it feels like they've tried to put a coach on the team that was their guy, like – uh, Lindy Ruff and later Jacques Martin. Nothing against Lindy Ruff or Jacques Martin, but I always feel that a coach should be able to put together his own his own team. Um, and looks like Gerard Galland was given that freedom. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to see what's going to happen with this coaching staff. Very experienced coaching staff. Um, I'm much more confident in these guys than in the previous coaching staff solely because uh david quinn and uh oliver and uh brown they weren't bad coaches per se but they just didn't have the experience to uh to to manage an nhl team in my opinion so gerard galland of course in florida worked with uh alexander barkov uh, jonathan huberdo aaron ekblad uh vinnie trocek and then in vegas with guys like william carlson uh, jonathan marcheso alex tuck shay theodore the experience is there. They've worked with young kids. I'm really uh, – I have a positive feeling about this coaching team. Yeah, and again, I think familiar uh, familiarity is always an important thing, especially when you have a new hire like this. Like, we did see it to an extent uh, with David Quinn when he came in, but the main difference was that the guys that David Quinn brought in with him were ones that did not have – little had a little to no nhl experience too mm -hmm. so now you have at least someone here that has plenty of experience both in juniors and he was most recently i believe the amateur scout for the philadelphia flyers this past season uh spent nine years coaching in qmjhl um and again has been connected to gallant from what he said and what i've read about over a 15 year span so they have plenty of familiarity and i think that's only going to bode well for gallant in the end so whether this is going to have a drastic impact or very little if you could even say meaningless no less i think it's going to benefit the rangers in the end you want these connections absolutely and it's always important build it yourself through the coach versus through the organization i love that you brought up the fact of lindy ruff and even jacques martin to a certain extent i i was i wasn't against the martin hire i thought he was perfectly fine i think that he unfortunately was just cut for the sake of wanting to bring in a whole new regime and having gallant pick his guys um because statistically the rangers weren't poor defensively last year and in penalty kill they are pretty solid and that is what gallant's mm -hmm. uh, cup of tea was pardon me not gallant uh, jacques martin um, but again, to pick your own guys here to have this familiarity, I think is key for success for the Rangers going forward with their current coaching staff. So I definitely don't dislike it at all. So yeah, that's really all there is to say. Uh, not too much there. It's again, it's a little bit of a quieter week here in Rangers land. Um, we're not going to be talking about Jack Eichel today. I have seen reports, however, that he is going to be expecting to get surgery and could potentially be back in December. But again, unless he's finding himself connected with the Rangers again, there really is a need to beat the horse there any more than what we already have. So yeah. at, the, outside, the only thing I'll say about Jack Eichel is that I find it hard to believe that a contending team is going to gut their depth midseason to acquire Jack Eichel. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen this season. It, it looks less and less likely because, like, yeah. just given the circumstances, it and again, and this will be my final stance on Marin, then we'll cut off from the Eichel topic. It just how do you, if Eichel already had surgery, let alone if he already had surgery in the beginning of summer, you know, and he was potentially ready for the season, that's a completely different ball game. But nothing has been going in the Sabres' favor from how they've 
went about things, in my opinion, and really just how his value has been on the market. Yes, it makes zero sense for the Rangers to give up assets on the club right now, assumably they'd have to part ways with some of them in order to land Eichel when you're when there's no guarantee on how he's going to do this season, let alone when he's even going to play because mm. he needs this procedure. So, and it's a, it's an important one too. You know, um, anytime you're dealing with the disc is definitely uh, not a fun thing. So I'm hoping Eichel the best, hoping he gets the surgery recovers well, but you know, no less, I think just what's for better, better for him at the end of the day is that he's done with Buffalo when the time's right. Um, whether that's this season, whether that's at the trade deadline, whether that's next season, I don't know. But uh, he's definitely a guy I'm sure we will not be hearing the last of. Uh, but for today's episode, we're going to cut it there. I know people love Eichel talk, but they're just it would be dragging things out at this point, mm -hmm. folks. And I think you all know that by now. Um, uh, so now let's get into our next topic. And I let's talk about training camp. Training camp begins soon. That's always exciting. Um, you know, we're getting so, so close now that it's September 1st. Before we know what the hockey season is going to begin, exciting times for sure. So uh, what's your kind of overall stance, Stephen, on training camp ramping up? Uh, do you actually know the exact date that it begins? Because I don't have it on me. Um, I think uh, it starts the 10th. Okay, awesome. Uh, then there's two weeks of camp, and then the preseason games start on the 25th or the 26th of September, I think. Um, so... Oh, hold on. Sorry, I got a pop up. No worries. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, what I know is um, that the prospects will fly in on the ninth. Uh, some of the European prospects fly in a, a day or two earlier to, you know, to adjust. But uh, they'll they'll arrive in New York on the ninth. They'll report to Westchester on the tenth at their training facility, and that's when it starts. Okay. Well, all right. So with training camp upon us within the next two weeks, and then of course we'll be getting a preseason and the season, all that fun stuff. It'll be here before we know it. Um, Steven, I guess my question to you now is what are you most looking forward to in training camp? Cause for me, it's the obvious battles and it's one, how is Gerard Gallant going to portray this team? Um, how is everything going to get balanced, especially when you get into preseason, but like when it comes to individual players and their role on the club, as things currently stand with the assumption that nothing else happens, trade-wise or anything like that leading into the season, the Rangers do have a lot of moving parts here. So what are some maybe battles that you're looking for, uh, especially when it comes to Julian Gauthier? I think he's a guy that um, is going to be, once again, a hot topic for a good reason. And he's yeah. uh, someone that I've been heavily advocating is deserving of ice time, uh, see more out of him, and also with some other youngsters trying to crack that bottom six. So overall, what's your stance on the matter? What kind of competitions, if you will, are you excited to see within the coming weeks? Um, yeah, of course, the, uh, you know, the battle on defense. Um, I think the top four on defense is pretty much set in stone. Agreed. Uh, and Fox, uh, Miller and Truba. And the third pairing seems to be going into training camp, uh, Nemeth and Lundqvist. Um, I am looking forward to see how guys like Zach Jones, Matthew Robertson, Hunter Skinner and Braden Schneider do. Uh, maybe they'll be able to... Uh, to to crack the lineup uh what i'm most excited for is the preseason games because that's when you actually get to see these players uh the camera angles at the training facility aren't the best and coverage of the scrimmages in westchester isn't always perfect so preseason games are usually what you where you get to see these uh, these kids play um julian gautier uh, has something to prove of course uh, and hopefully he now has a coach that believes in him, that gives him an opportunity. Um, and with Butchnevich being traded away, there is a possibility that, that you know, he's going to crack the top nine. It's not going to be easy, but um, I still think our third line is going to be Kreider, Hedl, and Goudreau. But you're only one injury away from seeing Gauthier in our top, in our top nine this upcoming season. So. Uh, very excited to see what he's going to do. Uh, and remember, he's, he's, oh, he's only 22 uh, years old, I think. Yeah, he's um, still in his early 20s, playing against yeah. he, I think he still counted as a rookie this past season. That just shows you how how inexperienced he is. And this is a kid that has proven himself in the AHL, uh, and now it's his opportunity to make that step up and to, to stick on the team in New York. And 
Um, yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. The other forwards are uh, Baron, Richards, Kodorenko, maybe Austin Rushev. Looking forward to see how they do. Uh, Laurie Pajuniemi, who's coming over from Finland. Uh, Carl Henriksen, who will probably go back to Sweden after preseason ends. Uh, but I want to see how he does. Um, and then, of course, Brennan Hoffman, our first-round pick this year. Yes. Um, I, I'm curious to see if he gets uh, at least a game in preseason. Um, but it's still an exciting time. I know most of our top prospects have graduated, like Fox, Kako, Lafreniere, Kravtsov. And Keandre Miller, but there's still there's still uh, a good amount of prospects um, in the pipeline that can that can have a big role on this team moving forward. So it's still exciting. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's again, it's weird. We talked about in our last episode not having a Travis City tournament is going to be a little weird for me. Just something we've been so accustomed to in recent years for our young uh, stud prospects. But no less training camp. It's always an exciting time because, as you mentioned, the defense. I'm really looking forward to that because you're having guys now that are going to be fully, for the most part, in the AHL. You know, we're going to get a lot more of the Braden Schneiders of the world. We're also going to be seeing how the Robertsons, et cetera, how are they going to do? And that's going to be really intriguing to me because I think to an extent, I'm honestly looking a lot at this training camp on how the configuration won't necessarily be for the Rangers, but rather how it'll be for the Wolfpack and how they're going to go about things because they're going to be locked and loaded with a lot of young studs now that simply either aren't ready for the Rangers or just aren't better than what we currently have available. Um, I'm excited to see our, our good friend or your good friend, I should say, you know, your, literally feels like your son, that being a Niels Lundqvist, we're going to see what he can do for the Rangers. We're all, we're all so highly anticipating that that's, that's going to be magical once he finally steps on the ice in MSG uh, for preseason, at least. Um, if you're looking down further here on the wings, again, Gautier, I would love to see him in the third line position. Uh, I'm never going to wish injuries or anything like that, but you'd have to assume that he will find himself in that spot should there be any type of injury to a winner. Again, I'm hoping that's not the case, but in the scenario where it is, he would be probably the next man up at that point. Uh, Goudreau, mm -hmm. I'd expect on the third line, as you mentioned, and it'll be curious to see how he does in training camp. Finally, see him in a Rangers uniform along with these other guys. How is Patrick Nemeth going to do, especially in the scenario where he's alongside Anils? I'm looking forward to that. But really, I'm I'm also excited more than anything just to see how this top six is going to do. You know, like what are the big dogs going to do? What is Capo Caco's utilization going to be? Is he going to be for sure in that first line? Uh, like many mm -hmm. of us believe. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, what is he going to bring now after gaining some, a decent amount of experience in the NHL this past year in his rookie year? Uh, Alexi Lafreniere, is he going to have a little bit more? Um, not that he hasn't had confidence in his rookie year, but just, again, continuing to grow and take that next step in his game. I, I fully expect it. So yeah. there's a lot of things to be excited about. I think we're going to see some highly real plays. I think we're going to see some really tough matchups. And I, more than anything, I think we're going to see a lot of very young, promising prospects that could be cracking many other teams in the league potentially, either on the defensive front or in the bottom six for the Rangers, and they simply will be with the Wolfpack because of how deep the Rangers are right now. That, my friend, is a good problem to have, and I'm really looking forward to that more than anything. Yeah, like if a guy like Julian Gauthier forces his way onto your top nine, that's a good problem to have. You know, you put Goudreau on your fourth line, and, and it makes your fourth line better, which in turn makes your, your whole team better. And a fourth-line player doesn't necessarily mean uh, that that player is only playing seven minutes a game. Um, I think Goudreau is a guy that's going to play for us on the on the penalty kill, so he's going to get his minutes there anyway. Um, and lines are are fluid, you know, especially under David Quinn. We saw that, of course. Um, so we we might see some changes throughout the season. I hope Galland is not going to be as trigger happy as david quinn was when it comes to shuffling the lines mid-game we all we're all praying for that steven you don't we all know the frustration we had yeah. like i feel like every single episode during yeah. the season it was just you know repetition after repetition after yeah. repetition same thing over and over again so uh it's exciting and and i think kako lafreniere crafts off uh i don't expect to see a lot from them in preseason there's six preseason games and Usually what you see is that the, the, the guys who have their spot on the team already usually play one or two games out of the six. Um, the preseason is usually used for the bottom six guys, your up-and-coming prospects, your fringe players. That's where that's their final chance to earn their spot on the team. Um, 
So the six preseason games were playing the Devils, the Islanders, and the Bruins this time. Uh, first time in a long time we're not playing the Flyers in preseason. Um, so I like how they kept that Bruins Rangers rivalry going as much of. Yes, we may know that before. It's important yeah. to build that rivalry up. Yeah, because it's the only sport in North America where there's no New York Boston rivalry. And uh, the NHL could do with a good rivalry, including New York. Um, so the six games, uh, don't expect to see Kako and Kravtsov play all six games. They're probably going to play two or three. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing guys like Kotorenko, who had a first his first full pro season. Justin Richards, same thing. Austin Rushev, who is a six six foot eight uh, winger um, who can also play center, uh, plays basically all positions up front. So it gives you some versatility. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. And of course, Reeves and, and Sammy Blay are also new players uh, that, that we're excited to see what they do. Um, so yeah, uh, defense is going to be interesting though. Um, I probably think the top six or the, the defensive pairs are set in stone. Uh, but who's going to be your seventh defenseman? Is it going to be a guy like Tenorti or Batetto? Or do you want to have a guy like Rionen or Zach Jones be your seventh defenseman? Uh, personally, i rather have them play in Hartford than sit in the press box in New York. 100%. I agree. But practicing with an NHL team also makes you a better player. Yeah. Uh, so you will see what happens, but it's interesting. You know, the preseason the last couple of years has been a lot of fun as a Rangers fan and this year is no different. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I'm glad you brought up the defensive situation with the seventh man. I, th- I too think it's important for uh, the Joneses of the world, the Ronin to play at uh, Wolfpack. That thing just be absolutely stacked. I, I, I'm assuming Hartford's just going to be steamrolling this year from all the great young talent they're going to have. Um, and that's what I would probably prefer. I think that's the route the Rangers are going to go down. Cause at the end of the day, why do you have Batetto and Tenorti and these guys that were, are really seventh defensemen, you know, that that's what they're known for to not be in that position. So unless someone completely outplays where it's justified to have them higher, even in that situation, it just, it, it, from a logical standpoint, it makes more sense to have them gain consistent playing time with Hartford. So yeah, in a nutshell, we're really excited for train camp. Uh, we're excited to get into episodes breaking down actual Rangers hockey, not just off-season discussions. We'll see what they're actually doing on the ice this time. We'll get into preseason, all that fun stuff. I'm really, really looking forward we're to it. We're going to have actual Rangers reviews. We're going to yeah, read actual, actual Rangers reviews and not you know, you know, picking at straws just to try to find a topic at some point. Because, again, not every week is going to be filled with either you know, drama or trade speculation and things like that. You know, we reached that limbo right before, you know, train camp, the fun starts, but we're still, we're still in it now. We will get out of it soon enough. So yeah. with saying that, and uh, now let's get to our final segment before we get to our Q and a for people in our live stream. And again, thank you all so much to everyone that's chiming in, whether you're watching this live now replay or wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate you. Let's get into prospect updates because you know, I know, Stephen, you have talked to some Rangers prospects recently. So why don't you share a little bit further what that experience has been like? Who exactly did you talk to? How did those interviews go? And yeah. what we can expect from some of these prospects going forward? Yeah. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, I picked up my uh, prospect uh, interview series again. Um, at the moment, I've published three. Um, Evan Veerling, uh, Dylan Garand, and Austin Rushev. Um Always great to talk to these kids, you know, because um, everyone always knows about Brandon Hoffman and Nils Lundqvist and Vitali Kravtsov and Philip Hedl. But the guys that are drafted in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, or the undrafted free agents that we sign usually fly under the radar. And it's it's really interesting to talk to these guys and, and ask them about their story. You know, how did they get into hockey? How did they end up with the team they're playing on? Like, uh, talking to Riley Hughes, who was our seventh-round pick in 2018, I found out that he will play be playing with his younger brother, whose name is Jack Hughes. Um, there's a Jack Hughes in the draft next year, um, and that's Riley Hughes' younger brother. They're playing together at Northeastern in uh, in college next season. Um, I've spoken to Ryder Korzak last night, um, spoke about you know his experience going to the draft two years ago when his brother was picked by the Vegas Golden Knights, how he spends his off-seasons. Like he, he practices in the off-season with Jordan Eberle. How cool is that? That's, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. 
those those are just stories that otherwise you wouldn't hear about, like how uh, Evan Veerling and Quinton Byfield played together ever since the age of six until oh. they were drafted into the OHL. They were first and second overall selections in the OHL uh, draft at the time. Um, but you never really hear these stories. So it's for me, it's interesting that I get to bring these stories to the to the fans. And I know prospect interviews are a bit of a niche. Not everyone is into it. But for the people who want to know a little bit more about our prospects, um, I publish them. I try to publish one a week, uh, which would get us over the hump until uh, the season starts. Um, which is that forever blue shirts, If you, in case you guys aren't aware. Check out his articles that he makes there. He also tweets them out at Steven. And uh, we can definitely say that at some point, fairly soon, I'd imagine, we will be having some more prospect coverage actually on the channel, which is something to yeah. be looking forward to. And uh, some actual pro prospect coverage uh, in Europe. The season started last week with the Champions Hockey League. Um, some guys are playing in that league. Uh, Kala Weissenen for TPS. Carl uh, Henriksen for Frölunda and uh, Adam Edstrom for Rögle, another Swedish team. Uh, all three played in the Champions Hockey League, uh, varying degrees of success, but it's nice to have some actual games to watch. Um, so I know uh, in the United States, the streams might be blacked out, but if any of our listeners are in Canada, uh, look up the Champions Hockey League YouTube channel. They stream their games live. It's legal streams on YouTube. And I think you can uh, you can uh, rewatch the games afterwards as well. So if you want to get a, a glimpse of Carl Henriksen on Frölunda, that's probably a really good and easy way to uh, to watch those games. So awesome, yeah. Now again, I'm 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 excited to see everything that came out with uh, the Ryder interview. Especially, he was a pick that I was in favor of over this past yeah. year. Um, and just overall, the whole prospect interviewing process and getting to know them. And it's important to highlight, as we mentioned in the past, if we did it off air. I know we did it off air. I don't know if you've done it on air. But again, you're going to see endless interviews of the same guys over and over again. When in reality, a lot of those guys that go in the middle later rounds very well could have impacts on the Rangers. They usually do every single year a guy that was not drafted high. So it's important yep. to hear these guys' stories and how different they potentially vary from, say, a consensus overall first overall pick like an Alexi Lafreniere over years and years on end. Everyone has different stories in coming up to the actual NHL. And whether they hit the NHL or not will be a discussion for another day. But no lessons, it's important to get to know these guys. And it, for me, at least, I enjoy the comfort knowing that it feels like you get almost a little bit of a personal connection with them. And really, as you've said, between building relationships with Niels Lundqvist, who now you're friends with, other plays as well. You've inter interviewed basically every Ranger, it feels like. And it's awesome gain to be a part of that experience from the day they're drafted now up until you see plenty of these guys already with the Rangers making an impact. So it's important to be there if that's something you're interested yeah. in, Rangers fans. I know I am. I've always been interested in prospect coverage. I think it's a satisfying thing. And you want to know what your future holds. And if you can know it a little bit further than strictly the statistics that you look up, then, hey, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 these stories, uh, the, the, there are some great stories in there. Like uh, Justin Richards, whose uh, father, Todd Richards, used to play in the NHL. Um grew up in Switzerland when his dad was playing over in Switzerland. So he has that experience of being in uh, professional locker rooms with with other players. Um, a guy like Ty Ronnie, whose father, Cliff Ronnie, played for the Canucks and yep. the Predators and the Coyotes. Uh, it's interesting to hear their stories and then compare it to a guy like Austin Rushev. Uh, Austin Rushev grew up in uh, about 30 minutes from St. Louis, Nobody in his family is playing hockey. His dad was a huge sports fanatic. So his dad sort of put him, he, he put skates on him and, and you know, he played lacrosse and he played baseball, but he really loved hockey. So he started playing hockey and then he played with Clayton Keller and Matthew Kachuk. And when he was seven, eight years old, Keith Kachuk would, would be, be, you know, um, um, behind the, behind the, the glass watching the game because Matthew Kachuk was on the ice and, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Keith Kachuk helped Austin Russia with his equipment when he was a kid. So these wow. are the stories that if you if you know that story and you know the story of guys like Ty Ronning and Justin Richards who grew up in a hockey family, the contrast is 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 
it's such an amazing, uh, it's just an amazing experience talking to these guys. And I'm happy that I'm able to share those stories. No, I am too. And I, I'm definitely looking forward to what the future holds on the prospect interview front here on the podcast. So you guys can get, you know, a little bit more of an inside look outside of what Steven's been able to uh, present to us to this point, which has still been awesome prospect coverage, nonetheless. But now let's get into guys. We're going to get into our Q&A segment for the next 10 minutes or so before we get out of here. And again, this has been an awesome episode of Rangers Review. I always appreciate having these discussions. Again, we're in that limbo right before the season begins, but no less. Uh, great things are going to happen for the Rangers this season. I'm just so pumped and just ready more than anything to get things underway finally. But I already see a donation here in the live stream from Young Jimmy T. Thank you so much for the $10 don't don't know, my friend. It means a lot. He says 2021-22 uh, numbers he is predicting for the Rangers. He thinks Alexi Lafreniere is going to get at least 60-plus points. Capo Caco, 45-plus points. Kratsov, 20-plus goals. Uh, and he says, thanks for the Rangers content because I can't take the circus and flushing anymore. Um, he's referring to the New York Mets, of course, in case you couldn't figure that one out. I don't yeah. blame you whatsoever, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate the donation again. Uh, bold bold predictions a little bit. I think that I think they're fairly accurate If in a normal A2 game season. Um, Lafreniere is obviously going to need to get consistent playing time in a good amount. Um, Kratsov, I think is the one where I feel the least likely about, to be honest with you. I don't think it's too outlandish to say that Lafreniere can get upwards of 16, Kako upwards of 45, even though that would be basically doubling what his season total has been at this point. Uh, Kratsov 20, I'm feeling, you know, a little bit more on the under, uh, than the over potentially. Um, but what's your thoughts on that, Steven? Um, yeah, I think for Lafreniere, uh, 60 points is definitely a possibility. Um, looking at Andrei Svechnikov, who was the second overall pick in 2018, um, he had uh, 37 points in his first season and then 61 in his second season um, in only 68 games. So I think Lafreniere is capable of doing that. I think Lafreniere long, ter- long term is capable of doing even more than that. Um, he was the first overall pick for a reason. Um, so it's really interesting to see what he's going to do. But year two Lafreniere, year three Kako, and year three Adam Fox, that's exciting to watch. Yeah, absolutely exciting. I mean, it's it's I shouldn't say it's easy to forget um, just how much potential these Rangers have. But, you know, to an extent, it kind of is. I feel like I'm just going to be wowed away with them and knowing that they're still so young in their careers. And this is truly just the beginning. That's something that I think can get overlooked, especially if, say, you have players that have been part of this rebuild for multiple years already. Like, no, it's still just the beginning for Capo Caco, I assure you. It's still very much the beginning for Alexi Lafreniere. It's still the beginning for even Adam Fox, who just won the Norris Trophy. He's only been in the league for two years now. Like, again, this is just scratching the surface for the Rangers. So we're having a good understanding of what their floor is. Now the question, what will those, what will their ceiling be? That'll all be dependent on these young studs and how they develop over the next couple of years. But a lot of exciting things and a lot of reasons to be excited overall about them, uh, to say the least. Uh, so now we have a couple more comments here. Uh, bold prediction would be uh, Carolina trained for Eichel. Oh, that's a very bold prediction, says Chris. I don't do they have the assets? Absolutely. Uh, but why would Carolina do that? Would be my response at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. And I'm gl- I'm so glad you brought up Carolina because we almost decided not to talk about the most groundbreaking thing that happened in the NHL this past week. Uh, positive, and that is the offer sheet to young centerman slash wiener i believe in yes very cock and yemi the finn was offer sheeted by the carolina hurricanes in the most trolling fashion because if you guys don't know carolina actually was offer sheeted by the habs a couple years ago for sebastian aho if you guys don't remember and carolina said thank you very much don waddell they absolutely loved it because that was below his market value at the time so they took that deal and ran with it without a problem so now they did the exact same thing. You even had John Waddell coming out with basically word for word the same statement that Bergeron had about Aho and wine to actually come to uh, Montreal. In this case, yes, Ferry Wine come to the Hurricanes. Like it was word for word, almost the exact same thing. Their Twitter, yeah. of course, if you guys don't know, their Hurricanes Twitter is just ridiculous. They they are by far, if not the most out there, outlandish Twitter account to be really funny at times and you know have choice words with uh, actual fans and stuff like that. And they just they just had a whirlwind with it. They did everything possible to make this as big of a troll job as possible. But it's a one year offer sheet at I believe six point one million with a twenty dollar signing bonus. Yes, you heard that correctly. Twenty dollar signing it's, bonus. Like they they want to make sure they highlighted for you that it happened. It just yeah, so hilarious. It's, 
It's six point one million, and the signing bonus is twenty dollars. But there's an additional fifteen dollars in the base salary, so it's six point one million and fifteen dollars. The twenty dollars signing bonus refers to uh, Sebastian Ajo's jersey number, and the fifteen dollars refers to Kotkaniemi's jersey number. <laughs> um, they, they changed their bio to French on Twitter. I know. Yep. Um, they posted a uh, Uno reverse card. They, they yeah, tweeted they, 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 they had a field day with this. They, they had a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I've heard people complain about this, saying, oh, it's not professional, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I watch hockey to be entertained, and this was entertaining. And it's going to be curious to see what potential repercussions this has on offer sheets going forward, you know, because mm -hmm. NHL GMs are always worried about doing an offer sheet. At least that's what the saying is because of retaliation, strictly because of retaliation. That's been the consensus, which is why it's so taboo, if you will, which in my mind, I think is a joke. I think it's better for the league to make these, these things happen, have GMs on their toes more and have to make more crucial decisions at tight times. I think that's a fun part of the game. And as from a fan, I definitely enjoy it. And yes, Sperry, I know a lot of people are saying, it's, don't get me wrong. It's a big, look, it's one year. He's definitely being overpaid. There's no doubt in that. This is a guy that wasn't in the everyday lineup either for Montreal. Again, he's only like, what, 21 years of age right now. He has plenty of potential still. I think he's going to thrive with Carolina because he comes into a spot when really their biggest need right now for the most part is they need a bottom six centerman. They need mm -hmm. a guy like yes, Barry. He's a guy that can really be their Filipino, if you will, and try to blossom with them with having studs around him, you know, left to right and center on that top nine. He's going to have a great coach in front of him. And who knows, maybe he'll find himself even playing with fellow Finn and Tavo Teravina at some point in his career with Carolina. And I will say this, however, the one downside you could maybe pinpoint for Carolina here outside of the 6.1 mil is the fact that when his next contract is up after this year, he has to get a minimum of 6.1 mil. So that has to be your starting point. So that is one thing that, you know, Carolina, for their sake, have to hope that benefits them. It's an overpayment, but nonetheless, it, it feels pretty obvious uh, – and that this is going to happen. Montreal doesn't have any money right now from last time I checked cap friendly. I don't think that they have, they have anything they're working with. I'm not and, sure what their LTIR looks like or anything along those lines, but yeah, and the, and the, compensation, the compensation would be a first and a third round pick for Montreal. Yeah. And, and I, th and again, that's in my mind, respectable given that you have that first round pick, but that would be a late first round pick. This is a Carolina team that will be having fairly deep playoff runs for the foreseeable future for a while. I yeah. think that's a uh, that's a respectable price for a guy like Jesperi who has NHL experience now and you know can definitely benefit from a change of scenery here outside the of Montreal. Is, the thing is, can you get a young guy like Jesperi Kotkaniemi in a trade for a first and a third round pick? I don't know. In a normal trade, uh, you pro trade. probably probably not. Depending on how Montreal would cover him, if say, yeah. oh, like he's still so young, there's still so much potential here, uh, you yeah. know, like and his RFA eligibility. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that for sure. And this offer sheet is that's what offer sheets are about. You know, it gives teams a, a, an, another way to acquire a player. Um, and six point one million is a lot for a, a twenty one year old center who hasn't really progressed the way everyone expected him to. Um, and yeah, if they let it go, let it come to a qualifying offer, the qualifying offer will be 6.1 million, but there are already reports that they have an agreement with Kotkaniemi for a long-term contract with a lower cap hit. If they can, if they can sign Kotkaniemi long-term for 3.5 or 4 million a year, um, by giving up a first and a third round pick that, that is, that is a good deal for Carolina. Um, and I think for Montreal, um, Kotkaniemi was a healthy scratch for them in the playoffs. So it's I think they they like mentally had already moved on from him. Um and this offer sheet might just work out for them. Yeah. And, and again, let's, let's, let's also not forget if Montreal matches the offer sheet, they cannot trade him. Oh, that's a good point. So uh Carolina, I think, can the acquiring team can trade a player that was uh, on an offer sheet. But if the, if a team retains a player that was on an offer sheet, he cannot be traded for twelve months. That makes sense though, because why are you going to retain the guy just exactly. to trade him? That's a, you know, so that that's a that's a fair rule in my yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, no less. It is it entertaining as all hell. I know uh, Habs fans 
some of them were happy about it. They're like, take him, you know, we're done with him already. There are Habs fans I saw that were upset about it. Um, knowing just how young he is and the potential is there. I, I see this as really only a benefit for Carolina um, with the repercussion being that, okay, how is this going to impact them cap-wise, not just this season, but going forward with the assumption you resign him, knowing you have to start at $6.1 million. That's the big thing uh, for a guy that will be probably starting out in your third line this season uh, more than likely. So uh, we're going to take uh, one or two more questions before we get out of here today, guys. Shorter episode. Uh, again, I appreciate everyone that's been chiming throughout the live stream or wherever you get your Rangers uh, podcasts, of course, Spotify, wherever it's going to be. Uh, but this is an awesome question here. I'm trying to find it. How I would have just missed it. I'm getting one sec. Uh, one sec, I should say. Um, okay. Best NYR prospect to not play an NHL game. Oh, Nils Lundqvist. I I mean that that was that was pretty easy. easy. Um, I don't I don't know if you meant it in the con in the context of best NYR prospect like that was like built ramped up and just never ended up paying the NHL. But I think he meant it in that context though. I think he meant it in the way that you said with Niels. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of Ranger fans are sleeping on Brennan Othman. I think Brennan Othman is better than Ranger fans give him credit for. And I, I hope that's the case, honestly. Um, again, there are a lot of things that are negative going into the draft, and I think Brennan, unfortunately, has to deal with the notion of a lot of Rangers fans, including myself to an extent, hoping that a Jack Eichel trade was going to happen. It didn't happen, so now it's like, okay, what move were they going to make? They didn't get a center, as we know. They got themselves a winner, a left winner. So naturally, I think there were a lot of you know stereotypes that came with that pick as well and really don't justify Brennan as a player. So, yeah, I'm still very much looking forward to him. It's cool that he's already on his ELC, I believe. So we'll see how long it takes for him to actually get himself yeah. to the NHL. It's going to take a couple of years, but there's still yeah, a lot his, of upside. His ELC is in the same situation as Matthew Robertson. Uh, his ELC can slide twice. So if he doesn't make the team in this year or next year, his entry-level contract will expire in 2026. Okay. All right, well, a plenty of control on Brennan Offman's front, and no less. Yep. It's going to be curious to see how he does and if he gets any playing time at all, um, if he shows any flashes, I should say, during training camp and going into preseason, if he even gets a game. And that's mm -hmm. going to be an exciting sight to see when we get to that point. But with that being said, folks, that's going to conclude this episode of Rangers Review, episode 30. Myself, Lon Stide, Statboy Steven, we love doing this. We look forward to it every single week. A little bit of a lesser week when it came to topics to discuss. Uh, it started off gloomy, unfortunately, with the passings. Roger Bear, as we know, Jimmy Hayes, respectively. Um, but then we got into more prospect discussions. So, again, guys, if you enjoyed it, please make sure to leave us a positive review wherever you get your podcast or drop us a like and a subscription here on YouTube on the channel. Like I said, more rebranding re actually will be coming very soon, uh, more than likely before the season begins. So, again, thank you all so much, everybody. And, Stephen, any final words before we get out of here? Uh, since it's episode 30, I'll throw in a little Henrik Lundqvist fact. Um Henrik Lundqvist has more points in the NHL than his twin brother, Joel, who was a forward. How many, how many assists does he have? Uh, 27. And Joel Lundqvist had 26 points. Elite. Absolutely elite. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing personal against Joel. This wasn't a target on him. But that that is a fun New York uh, New York Rangers Henrik Lundqvist statistic I did not know of. So I definitely learned something new today and hope you guys did too. So thank you all so much, everybody. And Stephen, of course, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.